Caution, the contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 78 of the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa. And I'm Allison. And today, in one of our Coffeehouse concert chats, uh, we are talking about something a little bit different. Not the music itself, but what you see and what you wear when you perform in a concert. So that is, of course, the question for performers. What do I wear? Except the answer is always black. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I Usually either black tie concert attire or white tie. So we thought we would take a little dive into maybe why that is and then share some of our own thoughts and more modern developments in concert attire. So first, Allison, why do orchestras dress in black and white? It has to go back, of course, to the early days of classical music and patrons of the arts. Um, Back in those days, employed musicians in various courts or noble households were viewed just as servants, like any other servant, like the butlers and the chefs, perhaps. Um, And all of those servants back in the time wore a specific dress code. It normally was formal for the time, of course, so black tie and tails or um, whatever the house might have chosen. <laughs> and as, so as a result, the musicians, also being considered servants, wore the same uniform. Um, as they kind of branched out and maybe became not employed so much as freelance, they just kind of continued sticking with that servant attire and it soon became formal attire. Yeah, so it, it, it became the norm and musicians stuck with it. Uh, So as symphonies started to evolve into concerts uh, and and symphony performing groups throughout, you know, the 19th and 20th century, the orchestras elected rather than to change what had been working to keep that formal attire because that's what people expected. Uh, And it's also, I I would say, uh, because of their their, their audiences uh, still and sometimes to this day maintain high expectations for what they expect of a symphony orchestra. And the dress is part of the image and part of their expectations. So as we've moved into these modern times, the concert dress of the formality of it has relaxed a bit, I would say. Um, You can still, of course, wear formal black tie tuxedos, long dresses for women, perhaps. Um, There's also other renditions of it. You can just wear, say, a suit. Or you could wear all black. That's a common staple of many modern orchestras. Usually younger, like, youth groups, but also some orchestras, I suppose, could also wear just white shirt and black pants. And that has also been recently viewed as more acceptable. Um, So there is some variation in this all black formality. However, we do see that it is still rather formal. You wouldn't see someone casually hanging out in all black. (laughs) It's interesting that that sort of image works both ways that classical ensembles dress to dress to maintain that image whereas some ensembles dress in a certain way to create the image that they desire uh, so for example there's a jazz quintet the base first recordings in 1952 the modern jazz quartet uh, headed by john lewis their pianist who mandated that they all wore tuxedos 
tuxedos, black ties, uh, tails at some events, just like the classical music uh, of the time. I remember this was the mid-50s when they started recording and jazz wasn't quite as dignified as it might be. So John Lewis decided to mandate that his, his performers wear a certain attire in order to create the image that he wanted, uh, that jazz was a serious uh, a, a serious <laughs> uh, <laughs> musical genre, even if it was developing. And from his decision, that's where we get the the mental image of like performers in a jazz club dressed to the nines, uh, but still playing their improvisatory hearts out. And that's actually, honestly, in jazz, that's something that's kind of fallen by the wayside at this point. We see a lot more, I would say, more casual attire in, in most jazz groups. Uh, I would like to point out such orchestras like the Glenn Miller Orchestra. They do seem to have definitely that formal attire still going on. And they also have very personalized stands when I've seen them perform. <laughs> um, they all have a fancy insignia on them and that kind of goes along with the whole aesthetic. But I think groups like that that are maintaining orchestra in their name even, even though they're a jazz group, uh, I think they are definitely trying to formalize jazz instead of make it, I don't know, rugged and out there. (laughs) Exactly. Less casual. Yes. Another important point that people bring up often when we're talking about concert address, especially when an orchestral director at a school has to answer the question of, well, why do I have to go out and buy a tuxedo or rent a tuxedo? It's, It's so that you don't distract from the music. So when an audience is looking at a group of performance on stage, the uniformity of their appearance can help an audience member just hear the music as a whole and watch the orchestra performing as a group, um, sort of as, you know, as, as sections rather than as individuals. So interestingly, um, you brought up the point of like younger high school musicians perhaps wondering, why do I have to wear all black? That's no fun. Um, or it's expensive. I don't have black per se and to readily wear. Um, a lot of band directors I think also kind of get on the bandwagon of yeah it is a little boring so like for Christmas performances for example they do allow what they call little splashes of color (laughs) (laughs) where like maybe you can wear a red tie instead of a black tie or maybe you have some fun socks that you can wear with your black shoes instead of your regular black socks. I think that's something we see in in professional ensembles too Mm -hmm. sometimes when we go to Christmas pops concerts People still have their formal attire with Santa hats on, with jingle bells, mm-hmm. with all all sorts of flair. And when done tastefully, these so-called splashes of color <laughs> are not distracting from the music, and the overall appearance is still all black, therefore serving the point of the concert black attire. Right. So in contrast to the homogenous uniformity of the entire orchestral ensemble, the soloists at events will often wear contrasting attire and this helps to draw attention to themselves because they are no longer part of the whole but rather their own performance and meant to be the center of attention Uh, there's a lot more leeway allowed things like striking dresses or even the often casual attire more casual attire of somebody like violinist joshua bell are completely acceptable in those circumstances uh because they they serve to draw attention to the specific style and performance of one individual And that's not to say that a soloist has never worn black while they perform. However, they have, I guess, the right to do it. Exactly. To wear something more flashy. 
than just say you're, I don't know, second violinist. (laughs) (laughs) We've established that it is pretty common that orchestras do wear concert black, some variation of it, but should they? It's 2019. Maybe there's some, some variations or improvements that we can make. Let's all wear concert green. Let's not. So that's actually a very good point. Uh, <laughs> there, there have been some ensembles in the past that have experimented uh, pretty significantly with these. Uh, I forget the exact name, uh, but I think it was there was a major metropolitan symphony in the late '70s that tradition that transitioned everybody for two seasons into uh, blue jackets with wide cuffs and bell-bottom <laughs> dress pants. Uh, I forget, again, it's a shame because I forget the exact name of this, but it was... That was definitely in the 70s. Yeah, (laughs) it was definitely in the 70s. And they looked super cool for like two seasons. And then it was done. And this was actually a point brought up by uh, Deborah Borda, the New York Philharmonic's uh, president and chief executive, as they were discussing wardrobe changes, that it cannot be something trendy or else in a couple years it will be passe. And no longer look cool. So any new look that an orchestra adopts or classical music in general adopts has to be something more timeless. Or they could continue adapting as trends change. That would be a more expensive option, but an option nonetheless. Um, As we already mentioned, wearing all black does keep you from being distracted by what performers wear. Uh, However, it has been argued that These performers on stage, they're all artistic individuals who are expressing things through music. So why not also express things through their clothing? As long as it's tasteful and not terribly distracting. (laughs) (laughs) If they're wearing something, since it is an occasion, it could still be something formal. Why not allow them to wear something that's nice, but what they choose? And I think the counterpoint to that is, of course... In certain circumstances, that might be appropriate for an, for an ensemble with more individual musical opportunities versus a, you know, somebody playing a Beethoven symphony where it's not about an individual artistic expression, but rather the, uh, but rather the experience of the concert of the, as, of the ensemble as a whole. That's a very good point as well. Now, there are some orchestras that do have a dress code that is not all black, and it is also very timeless. <laughs> um, one, one such example is the Johann Strauss Orchestra that is headed up by Andre Ryu, who is a Dutch violin soloist. Um, and he requires that the male performers in his group wear tuxedos. However, all the female performers wear very extravagant ball gowns. Now, that I say is timeless because it is quite the style that one might see from Johann Strauss's day and age. So, in essence, they are showing you what you could have seen back in the day with the type of music that they perform. Another point that's often brought up in modern orchestras is how constricting that attire can be to play play and perform in. Uh, And and so many orchestras and, and individual designers are starting to experiment with modern fabrics and different types of uh, di- different types of attire that look the part but might feel a lot better. Um, so for example, Dallas violinist Kevin Yu uh, is, is a businessman while pursuing violin on the side and he has in conjunction with a fabric manufacturing company uh, invented a fabric that um, 
It's just like athletic wear, but he's fashioned it into like a tuxedo shirt so that you are not, you're not constricted while lifting your arms while, say, playing violin or a trombone. And it wicks away sweat and remains comfortable over a long... He was actually uh, inspired to create it after playing a particularly arduous concert of Symphony Fantastique. <laughs> and clothes like this, he's not, he's not the only person doing it. Under Armour has actually donated a bunch of fabric uh, to ensembles uh, to create these same sorts of shirts. Uh, just to be more a, a, a classical look, but modern fabrics. And for that matter... I think fabrics like these could benefit the whole general population because, of course, musicians are not the only profession that has to wear formal wear. There's many people who daily have to go to their job and wear formal wear, so why not make these comfortable yet sharp-looking fabrics available to everyone? <laughs> Indeed, and, and all of these changes to ensemble repertoires have historically been met with some resistance, not always from the leadership or the audience but sometimes from the from the performers themselves uh leonard bernstein famously decided to change the the coats of his new york philharmonic uh and they were very swiftly dropped by the performers themselves who didn't like them at all uh he he leonard bernstein himself called it bernstein's folly <laughs> when he tried to change those uh change those coats and in the current change uh, discussions for the New York Philharmonic, Deborah Borda does mention that the performers want to keep a high degree of professionalism. It's classical music is an art form that in, that that sort of exudes this air of extravagance by nature, and so dressing the part can be can can make you confident to play that too. Mm-hmm. Now that also brings up another um, soloist in this case, uh, Yuja Wang, who is a Chinese pianist. Um, she is very, very good. However, she has met with a lot of criticism for having dressed the part. Um, so she famously has said, if the music is beautiful and sensual, why not dress to fit? So if you've looked up any pictures of her, you can see that her dresses are very, I guess, beautiful and sensual, as she might be basing around her music. Um, but a lot of critics think that she might be utilizing her appearance instead of her musical talent. Um, there have been other instances, of course, of perhaps a record deal not going through just because the record didn't like the look of a certain performer. Um, but there's also been famous, very famous performers who haven't actually been as good as they might seem based on critical review just because they have looked so good. So in our experience performing Asa, you and I, we've performed with many clarinet chamber groups in our time. Um, we've been founding members of two different groups. And in one group, we famously had kind of blue and teal and yeah. purple outfits that we all wore. So none of us were wearing black. We were all wearing a different coordinating color. And then we've also worn black pants with purple tops. In that case, we were we kept it formal, we kept it classy, we matched, but we weren't all black. And I think that's 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 sort of reflective of the type of music that we were playing in that particular group. Uh, we were playing a lot of arrangements of of classical pieces and a lot of uh, maybe a little bit of off, off kilter for the type of instruments that we were using to perform them. Uh, and and so the 
the more modern attire, I think, matched, really, with what we were doing. Um, sort of in contrast to one of the other groups that we founded, our quartet, uh, where oftentimes we were in, pre- in, in pretty full formal attire with a little bit of splash of color mm-hmm. for the excitable and often uh, ethnic music that we were playing. Um, it, it, it fit really well. And I remember we specifically did choose our black and white um, shirts and pants to go with, well, first we were invited to perform at the International Clarinet Association Clarinet Fest, and we really wanted to give an air of sophistication and knowing what we were doing. So we did kind of dress the part of very formal to maybe trick people a little bit. And hey, as as a musician, looking good makes you feel good, and it gives you the confidence to perform well on stage. Anything goes. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and I think, right, you know, in, in in these times where dress in general is much more casual, uh, looking like that, looking that good is is, is different and it, it helps give you the confidence. And it's kind of special. Exactly, it's special. All right, Asa, so I think we've had a nice chat here. Yeah. Kind of into some history and some modern trends and our own thoughts. Yes, thank you, Allison, for talking with me, and thank you, listeners, for tuning into this episode of the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. If you like what we do, if you have your own thoughts, uh, comment on this podcast, either on Facebook, where it's posted, or on our Podbean website. It's coffeehouseclassical.podbean.com. And consider sharing it with a friend who might also have some opinions. <laughs> So for the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast, I'm Allison. And I'm Asa. Thank you so much for listening. Gustav Holst's The Planets was performed by the National Youth Orchestra of Canada, conducted by Alan Trudell. Buxtehude's Membra Jesu Nostri was performed by the New Trinity Baroque, conducted by Predag Gostra. You can find The Coffeehouse on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram or email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com.